Hi, this is Bob Harris with Robert Ramsey Sellers, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show number 1511. Our guest co-host this month is Ronald Holden. You know him from his blog, Cornishone.org, and his book, Homegrown Seattle, 101 True Tales of Local Food and Drink, as well as the many outlets he writes for. He specializes in food, wine, and travel, and has worked for King TV, Seattle Weekly, and Chateau Saint-Michel. You can find his work on Seattle Dining in his homegrown column each month. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You bet. You know, one of the things I wanted to start out with this time is that I always listen to our shows after we do them. And I was listening to my portion of last month's show, and I would imagine I used the word fun about 7,050 times. So I was thinking maybe we should make the Seattle Dining Netcast a drinking game. And every time I say fun, people have to drink. And, the you know, booze, beer, wine, skyrocket. Sales are going to be huge. So I just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> Um, one of the things we like to talk about is where we've been eating lately. So tell us where you've been lately, Ronald. I had a very nice dinner at Luke oh. not all that long ago. It was at the happy hour at the kitchen counter during happy hour. I like the counter. The counter was just great, and uh, the price was right about half the price of their dinner dinner. Oh. I had I had a cocktail called the Lucatini. Oh yeah, which is really nice. And uh, and a miniature portion of the uh, cassoulet. Oh, how was that? Very, also very nice. It oh, was good. everything it was supposed to be with beans and pork and duck mm. and uh, some greens over the top. And then the big surprise that David Mitchell, the chef, said: before you go, you have to try the s'mores. Oh, now. I've had s'mores uh, decades ago around campfires. Mm-hmm. Not particularly interesting. No. The graham cracker crumbles. The the chocolate melts. It's gooey. The, the, the... <laughs> of course, everything you're saying is what other people love about I, it. <laughs> I know. I know. But... Then they told me the story of what it was that they were doing with this, and it was really interesting that that you have instead of a graham cracker, you have a crumbled graham cracker at the bottom of the dish, wow. and then uh, instead of uh, everything else, you've got peanut butter ice cream. Oh, my favorite! And I had uh, I had no idea. Uh, I don't eat a lot of ice cream. And this was just terrific. It was not too sweet. That was the most important thing. Uh, and then crunchy peanut crumbled over the top. Oh. And and meringue cream piped oh. on top of that. And that was then given the creme brulee treatment. Uh, Yum. It was 
so good. And I'm not a big marshmallow fan, so that meringue would be working for me. The meringue was really very interesting. Mm. So here was a dessert that, that uh, and I thought I would, I had lost my, my soul uh, the previous month to the new dessert <laughs> at, at Ernest Loves Agnes. Oh, yes. The orange blossom. That was so good. So here I am, a non-dessert eater, and I was, uh, so I've, 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 I've fallen twice. I'm telling you, it's just a slippery slope. You're gone now. <laughs> You're going to be a dessert eater. Uh, uh, you know, peanut butter ice cream, I'm just going to bring this up. We were on a trip recently, and we were at the Oregon Caves. Mm-hmm. And um, it was fun. We had dinner in the lo- – it's very lodge-like. It's not a national park, but it's like – it feels just like that. And we had a dinner up there that was – I thought it was relatively marginal. Not marginal, but mediocre. But in the bottom, they've got like a diner set up. And it's just like it was when the place opened. It's, you know, very 50s and everything. And we were there with some people from Canada, and they, he wanted a milkshake. And I said, they had like 50 kinds, you know. And I said, you got to go peanut butter, of course. And he goes, what are you talking about? And his wife said, I wouldn't touch that. Well, that got his <laughs> juices going, so he had to get it. She ate most of it. Um, but they'd never heard of a peanut butter milkshake, and it was a big hit. Well, I never have. Oh, really? No. Oh, my gosh. Vanilla strawberry chocolate. Yeah, see, um, even um, Kid Valley does them, and they're good there, too. Uh, yeah. If you say so. Yeah. <laughs> so they trusted me. The Canadians were on my side, so. The Canadians are good on burgers. Yeah. Uh, Joey Kitchen. Oh, it's a good burger. It's a good burger. Yeah. I had a good chicken sandwich there, too. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what about... Um, two Doors Down. You were there recently. I was there recently as well. It's the old Philadelphia Fever location. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just and, down, two doors down from another place. Well, and, and, and from Aaron Nestor's original uh, slippery slope <laughs> <laughs> establishment <laughs> on the downhill side of Madison as it, as it descends into Madison Park. Uh, and uh, she has uh, put together there a full kitchen so that they can do... Burgers, whereas they they don't have the full kitchen up the up the street oh, yeah. at uh, at the other place, the first okay. place there, the bottleneck lounge. Yeah, and uh, it's on two levels, and the lower okay. level is where they're doing the burgers, oh. and you, you can sit at the counter there, and they'll bring you. Uh, but if you're sitting anywhere else, they'll they'll bring you the food. Yeah, uh, and I thought that was a it was very nice. The half a dozen different options for the burgers. Oh. And, most important, about two dozen beers on tap. Oh, okay. Local? Almost all of them local. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, while we're on the uh, burger thing, did you go try Cali Burger? I've not tried yet. All right. It'll be interesting to see what you think. We were completely underwhelmed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that Tom was kind of saying before we ever went was it's Cali Burger and there, there really isn't a California burger unless it has avocado, in my opinion, on it. And, and none of them do. They have an avocado mayonnaise on their chicken sandwich. But the interesting thing about it is that they made up this California burger thing and opened in Shanghai. Seattle is their <laughs> first location in the U.S. So it was purely a thing to sell the American, specifically California, way of life. Their website has a young girl in a bathing suit sitting on a blanket on the beach with California burger and fries, you know. 
It's like, I don't know. It's, where does anyone do that? I know. <laughs> I'm, even in L.A., they're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. So interesting, but um, we were underwhelmed with the food. It, it just didn't taste that great. Um, the one thing I was kind of impressed with was with the tomatoes because they, to me, tasted so fresh. And I asked uh, the franchisee guy where he got them, and he said, um, U.S. Foods, which, of course, is a national food chain. Now, he <laughs> says they specifically ask to have their produce come from their local uh, sources. Whether it's what he gets or not, it was a good tomato. Good. But um, it, other than that, you know, it was the whole technology aspect of it was fun. But it's not something I would do. I'm not going to go play Minecraft, you know, on the Av while I'm having a oh, good boozy milkshake. <laughs> so, so, anyway, that's my thing there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Ernest Loves Agnes. What did you think of that? I thought they did a very nice job uh, on almost everything. Yeah. 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 There was one thing, and I can't remember what it was now, the squid ink thing. But you know what? I figured out why I wasn't impressed with that. I immediately zoned in on the word lobster Mm -hmm. and was tremendously excited. And then it tasted nothing like that to me. But, of course, when I went back and read it, it was lobster mushrooms. Oh! It was a reading faux pas on my part. So I think I would have had a different impression of that dish had I thought I was not getting lobster. The wonderful thing about squid ink pasta is, of course, the, the aroma. Yeah. It smells like the ocean. Yeah. You think you're a yacht captain on the open sea. (laughs) Always good. Um, You know, the other kind of disappointing thing I had recently was I went down and tried the new Ivers Acres of Clams. Mm. And it was disappointing because I want to like it. I like all the people involved. Chris Gar has done our Chef's Kitchen column. Mm -hmm. Um, I've talked to the marketing people. They're nice. Everybody's great. And, of course, Ivers, I eat at the seafood bars all the time, honestly, for quick lunches and stuff. And I went in there, and they have done an amazingly beautiful job on it. You know, they shut down entirely when the seawall yes. project was going on, and um, just gorgeous. It's still an enormous lobby area, the mm-hmm. waiting area, but they've got new benches, and it's very beautiful. It's a big rounded wood curved desk for the people who work there. And they start to take you down um, further down the pier, toward tables, and you've, they've totally redone the bar. It's black and white tile floor. Um, it's large. It, it made me want to go and sit at the bar. It looked really fun. It does face away from the water, which is too bad, but all the rest of the, all the way down the pier, it's done beautifully. They've got um, gas fireplaces in two places, kind of marking the two ends of the bar. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, they go almost all the way to the end of the pier, and at the very end, they've got a whole outside dining right on the end of the pier. So they've just done a beautiful job of it. Um, they're also doing the tips included. So their prices were high. I mean, if you wanted a piece of salmon or halibut, it was $34, $35, which is not unreasonable for fish prices right now. But, you know, at lunch, at lunch, a yeah. little tough to do. So I went with uh, fried clams, which I love. And they were overbreaded and so overdone that I had to send them back. That's a shame. Yeah, so I'm hoping maybe a bad day, and they were very gracious about taking it back, you know, and and redid them, and they were much better the second time, but, you know, you expect better survivors, for God's sakes, it's what they do. It is what they do. So I'm hoping bad day. Mm. But um, also, we were just out at Eureka, and we saw you there. Yes. And there was a dry fly uh, tasting. 
Exactly. What did you think about, about all that? I love the dry fly uh, with the peppers. Yes, that was really good. That was a really interesting cocktail, and I... I'm usually only interested in in cocktails that are slightly sweet, and this one was not. This no. was slightly spicy. And that was uh, I don't recall his last name now, but Trevor, who is their yeah. uh, beverage guy mm-hmm. for all of the Eurekas, who created that with the dry fly mm-hmm. vodka. Smart. Yeah, it yeah. was very tasty. And they work to uh, pair their cocktails with their food, so that's kind of nice to know. Mm-hmm. Did what did you think of the food? Um. I wish I could remember it. <laughs> oh, that's a bad sign. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a bad we, sign. We had food there. I know we did. <laughs> a lot of it. Almost too much. Oh, boy. They had a bunch of starters. They had a skewered beef thing. And I got there late. So oh, so I, you missed I, all I, that. I missed, I missed yeah. some of that. Um, and And frankly, I was not paying much attention to the food. It was all about Since the drive fly. For me, it was more about the, the yeah. liquor, and, and because I'm interested in how this guy out of Spokane sort of sets up a distillery when nobody else had thought to do it for the longest time. He was the first one since Prohibition and, to set up a distillery in Washington State. Yeah, and, and he did it where there was grain. Yes, hops. And hops. Yeah. He told me, too, that um, now, because I did a story on them when they first opened, and they were getting as much locally sourced as they could. Mm -hmm. Now, he says, they pretty much get everything from within 35 miles, which is, you know, impressive. Yeah. I like that. I was in eastern Washington uh, in some of those grain fields with uh, one of their suppliers through that uh, Shepherd's Grain Cooperative. Uh, and and those are growers who have have made commitments to do a good job environmentally of sowing the seeds. Mm-hmm. They don't till the soil. Tilling the soil, which you would think, think. is what you want to do, yeah. actually loses carbon oh. and and is not necessary when you're doing grain that you can actually. It's as if you put a seed on the end of your finger and stuck it into the ground. Okay. And, of course, you've got to do it a million times, so you can't do it like that. Yeah. But they've got these enormous machines that do it. Wow. And, and uh, they, they plant and then uh, plant and then harvest. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a whole new way of doing uh, agriculture in eastern Washington. That's a good sign. Mm-hmm. That, and, you know, you think, a guy starts a distillery up small. It's growing, of course, all the time. But he's had an impact he has. On, on what's happening in eastern Washington. He you know, He's a part of that. That's pretty impressive. And it's not just eastern Washington because Washington State University, which is the agricultural school, also has uh, outposts in the western part of the state. Oh, yeah. Mount Vernon has a Wazoo research station, for example. And they're looking for ways to do things better. They're looking for ways to make better bread. Oh, Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I just interviewed the people who own Ghostfish Brewery. Have you been down there? Mm-mm. It. I almost hesitate to say this as the first thing about them, but it's gluten-free beer. And their whole point <clears throat> is that they don't – that comes out because, of course, the brewmaster is, is a celiac. Uh, one of the owner's wives is, has celiac disease. So they are very careful um, to make it truly gluten-free, but – 
their whole purpose is to be like the best brewery possible. And they're just using traditional methods with non-traditional things. And they get, unfortunately, right now it has to be out of, I think it's Chicago, they are um, bringing in all their malted uh, grains from a gluten-free place in Chicago. So Mm. it's all... From the, from the moment, you know, they get the grain, everything's gluten-free. And where is this location? It is down on First Avenue. It's, uh, you know, I don't remember the address right now. It's directly across the street from Westland Distillery. Oh, yeah. 2120 First Avenue or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice. It's three guys who started it. I met two of them. Really nice guys. They bring in pizzas from Soto Pizza <laughs> and from Rossi's in Greenwood. So they're all gluten-free pizzas. They do thick crust from Rossi's and thin crust from Soto. And then they've got all their beer, and they're bringing in a few ciders. And, and Westland is, is That's going cool. gangbusters. Yeah. Uh, keep winning all the awards for their, their whiskeys, yeah. their scotches. And, their- and it, they've got kind of a nice place, and they've got a little upstairs thing that I think at this point is open, a little uh-huh. private room that you can have a party up there. and So lots of stuff going on there. Indeed. So... Um, well, let's see. Um, that's probably what we need to talk about now. Um, we'll go ahead and talk about news bites coming up and what's on the calendar. But the other thing I wanted to talk with you about was restaurant reviews. We've been talking about this lately, and I think people think it's kind of a it would be the you know the best job so fun. But honestly, when you're out constantly and you have to be balanced about what you're saying, <laughs> um, it's not the easiest job. But we also see things that we're not very happy with, and that's, you know. It's, it's true, and I, I was the restaurant reviewer for Seattle Weekly for a number of years, uh, and people say, would say to me that I had the best job in the exactly. world, and I would say I had the worst job in the world. <laughs> I don't get to decide where I'm going to go. Yeah. Uh, and I have to eat mediocre food. Yeah. And then you have to the find something <laughs> out about it to say, because you don't want to be st- a hundred percent cruel. No, you can't be. Yeah. You can't because what we have to remember about restaurants is that that they all represent somebody's dream, exactly. somebody's ambition, somebody's passion, if you will. Uh, all too often, passion is as opposed to discipline. But but uh, yeah. uh, then somebody comes along and says, "What you're doing is is garbage." Yeah, your life's work. Toss it. Right. Yeah. Or can't you do better than this after 20 years in the business and having run four other restaurants? Yeah. And, uh, you've got all these wonderful systems in place and, and uh, this wonderful space, and, and the food is, is not up to it. Yeah. So there's, there's that, uh, and it, it hurts. Yeah. I'm not sure that... That there, there, there do need to be reviews. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. And people love them. Uh, oh yeah. Example: Yelp. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yelp is the perfect example of everybody's a critic, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody's supposed to be a critic, and that's the business model. And Yelp gets away with it because they, uh, they're just the platform. Exactly. So all they're doing is is they're printing every letter to the editor that comes in. Yeah. And I, I have a problem with that, you know. I mean, because I think sometimes maybe the elite Yelpers are a little more careful about this, but some people just want to get on and feel powerful. Oh, yeah. And they're hurting people. On the other hand, if you go out and it's your friend's restaurant and you just go on and on and gush about it, it's really not that great. 
you're not helping anybody because then nobody can trust the reviews. That's right. And that's the other thing, you know. Every time I talk to somebody, we all say the same thing. You throw out the top, you throw out the bottom, and sort of see what's in the middle. Uh, and I don't know that that's fair that, either. That, that doesn't work either because then you end up with, with the, the sort of TripAdvisor model, which is that the top-rated restaurants are the ones uh, in the immediate vicinity of the top-rated tourist attractions. Yeah. Because that's where people are going. Mm-hmm. And if they're from, from uh, the same town and eat out regularly and you know what they like, then yeah. they're more likely to give you a, a, yeah. a, a fair representation. Mm-hmm. But if it's people from, from Dubuque coming in yeah. and they say, ooh, scones, I've never had those. <laughs> Wonderful. The we'll, best things. We'll make, we'll make this uh, pike place market scone bakery the number one restaurant in seattle exactly and you know i've i talk to concierge at the hotel quite frequently Mm -hmm. and and they'll say you know we want to send people to such and such a place but they they say it's too far to walk and it's three blocks and i'll say really and they said oh you know we've talked to people where we say all right that's too far how about um across the street too far (laughs) well how about the restaurant itself in the hotel well i don't eat in the hotel it's like, what do you want to do? You know, so I, I, I appreciate what you're saying because if that's the traveler that's on TripAdvisor, they're not giving you anything that's truly Seattle. No. You know, because they won't even go out the front door. <laughs> so, um, well, how do you feel about generally are, are the things you've been seeing recently in re- restaurant reviews fair? Or, well, or accurate, maybe. The, 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 the problem is that the people who write restaurant reviews in Seattle, are f- we, we know who they are, and there are not very many of them, and, and we know which ones are bubbly, and we know which ones are sort of strict and school marmish, <laughs> but, but what bothers me is that they assign ratings in a way that is not consistent. Yeah. They're saying they're with a one star review. They'll say disappointing, really ought to do better, even when a similar restaurant got two and a half stars the week before. Mm-hmm. And that's in that kind of inconsistency doesn't make sense. Yeah, that, and that's hard for certainly for the restaurant owners. It's very very tough. Yeah, because it feels to them like they've been gut punched. Mm-hmm. And and I don't blame them. And unfairly, you know, I, it wasn't really a equal no look at things. No. tough job. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at some of the. Oh wait, we have a special report coming up before our news bites. Do we have a special guest? And he's nodding, so I'm assuming he's jumping in now. No. Oh, after the break. Oh, we're, we're just teasing you with our special report. So stay tuned, and we will come back with our special surprise report. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by the Fireside Restaurant, located at the resort at Port Ludlow. My name is Dennis Lucier. I live on Finney Ridge, and I like Local 360 because they bring together a lot of the local things that I find at the farmer's market and around town and uh, put it together in a really wonderful way.
We're back. Um, we're going to talk about news bites in just a moment, but first, the surprise guest you've all been waiting for. Here I am. Oh, it's Tom Marin. <laughs> we thought he was taking the, the month off, but he's back. I'm over here hiding behind the mixing board today, having a good time, trying to keep myself quiet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have a special report. Uh, I took a little drive yesterday. Anybody been up around uh, 522 or 527 lately? No. Okay, well, I went up there. As I just Where had would to that see be? what happened. Uh, State Route 522 and 527, that's the corner of uh, Bothell Way and the Bothell Everett Highway. Oh, okay. <clears throat> And I just had to see what happened up there at the old junior high. Oh, at the McMenamin. So the McMenamin I went school. to the Anderson School for breakfast. Oh. And uh, it was kind of weird because, I, like, I know my way around all the McMenamins down in Oregon. Mm-hmm. But I had to, the first thing I had to do was go into the hotel and ask him for a map. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like, they got three restaurants and, I don't know, five bars or wow. whatever. and. And uh, I wanted to go and check out and see how it all went. <clears throat> this is the first one they've done where they use some crowdsourcing, uh, crowdfunding to oh, yeah. uh, do the build. And I thought, well, I wonder if they're going to cut corners because they couldn't get enough money from the bank or what happened. Uh, it's beautiful. Oh. And you got to go up there. Uh, when you go, make sure you take a swimsuit with you. But uh, I went in and had breakfast at the, it's called the Tavern on the Square. And uh, fortunately, the first three uh, parking spaces in the parking lot were open when I pulled in, which I heard has not been the case. There's been nowhere to park up there all the last 10 days since they've been open. Uh, But I had breakfast in there, and uh, food-wise, I'd say it's comparable to having breakfast at McMinimums. It's nothing (laughs) super fantastic. Um, The word is they don't have an executive chef, uh, which they do have down at the Edgefield. So the food's been amped up at the Edgefield a little bit. Ronnie, you've been down at Edgefield before. Uh, I've written about it without having been there. Oh, okay. Mm. Sounds like a food writer. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great place to go. Um, so, uh, but they had a, they had a, 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 I had a bread, it was called the Terminator whole wheat and, uh, really good. I've never seen that at any of their locations before. So I think what they did was they, they probably did go in maybe with this exec, executive chef out of Edgefield and kind of work the menu around a mm. little bit. Lots and lots of egg dishes, mm-hmm. well, that's um, breakfast. probably five or seven different egg dishes oh, wow. and, uh, I you know I saw the eggs Benedict coming out, but my gallbladder said no 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 no. no. <laughs> now the, isn't the Terminator one of their beers? I wonder if it they're is, making it with spent grain. I think they must grain. pour a little bit in. But I I thought well gee you know it's a, it's their Terminator Stout, and I thought well maybe they're uh, putting this in, um, and it's going to come out like looking like a piece of dark rye. But mm. that's not what happened. It was uh, it was a nice piece of whole wheat bread with lots of seeds and stuff in it, lots of grains. I'm wondering if they're using the spent grain to make the bread. So we'll do a little homework on that. Um, I think they could use an executive chef in there, and I think think, uh, hopefully they get to a point where they do that. I mean, this is, you know, it's Bothell, but it's still Seattle, and people are uh, discretionary about what they they want when you go to a restaurant. Bothell is growing by leaps and bounds, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff going in there, like Amaro Bistro, that's the sibling of um, Bistro and stuff. So there's, it's really growing, and who just, I was talking to, oh, um, Twa. 
Nguyen, who has the Chinois Cafe and Wabi Sabi, she's opening in Beardsley yeah, Crossing. Yeah. So she's another one that's going to take some good food. And, and you yeah. know, with with a place mm-hmm. like the Amaro Bistro down down the street, I mean, they they they, they got to be on their toes with their food for a couple of reasons. Um, that's one because people can go out around and eat, like mm-hmm. we sometimes do when we're down in McMinnville. Yeah. Secondly, is they have a large meeting room in there, so there's obviously kind of a catering banquet type scenario oh, yeah. going on, and you're gonna, you know, you're not. You got people from Microsoft that are going to want to be running that room, yeah. so you got to be on your game with yeah. with uh, what you're bringing in, food wise, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, we'll I think we'll we'll see some evolution in that. Um, the grounds are beautiful. The uh, renovation they did, particularly in the tavern on the square, is is substantially awesome. Oh, wow. Um, the, the ironwork is typical to what you see, the church pews with the little crosses and that sort of thing, but it's all done really well. Uh, they did build one thing in the middle of the square. It's called the shed. You know, down at the oh. Edgefield, they have the little red shed. Yeah. So uh, this is similar, very similar to the little red shed. Uh, I, I, I don't think you're going to be getting the smoke cigars in there based on Washington law. But, <laughs> um, but that's really nice. Uh, I did not get to go in the hotel because it's locked down to guests only until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. And then you would go up to the third floor and imbibe in something at the principal's office. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a, they, they took the swimming pool on the north end of the, of the campus and they filled in everything up to four feet. So they've got this really super long, kind of like a lap pool, uh-huh. and uh, they keep it at 90, and it's mm-hmm. similar to St. Francis School, where they have the skylights, and they're open. So if it's oh. raining, it's going to be raining in the pool, but hey, it's 90 degrees. Who cares? Is it covered? Other than- and, well, yeah. I mean, okay. it's, it's got a roof over it, oh, but it's okay. got skylights, skylights that are open in the roof. And then above the pool... Is another restaurant, which I didn't make it up to. Um, the, what they did decor-wise on that building was they went for a tiki oh. type of thing. So I think awful. they call the tiki bar and lounge or something upstairs there. Um, I think they did that wrong. I think what they should have done, they got all this bamboo out there, and it looks hokey, I think. Uh, what they should have done was gone for a, like a Swedish hot spa or a nordic <laughs> something you know and, and, and kind of gone in that direction so i hope they're listening and i hope they plan that remodel soon <laughs> yeah a, just as they open <laughs> but uh definitely bothell got their amusement park and uh it's just as magical as any of the other properties and we'll see more happen on that property over the coming years i'm sure um, they got a full-time movie theater in there. They're showing movies four times a day right now. It's The Martian. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, definitely, you know, it's still busy up there, and it's going to be through through the first quarter of the year. Yeah, I uh, heard that the uh, all the rooms were taken for the first three months. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of that, and then a lot of that crowdfunding, I'm guessing that there was a lot oh, of rooms that were booked. provided as part of the crowd crowdfunding, yeah. so... Uh, you know, you have to wait for that traffic to die down and for the whole glamour of the new place to sort of yeah. die down. But it's it's going to be a nice location. So uh, I think a lot of the time with the crowdfunding, they, there are uh, rules. Like you can get, you know, 110% back on what you put in, but over a year's time mm-hmm. so that you can't come in and just blow it out, you know. 
right yeah. off the bat. So I'm not sure how that went because they didn't invite me to crowdfund with them. So yeah, that's probably a good plan. <laughs> but uh, that's my report, and I'm sticking to it. Hey, thank you for that. That's exciting. We've been talking about that coming for a while. So um, I was at Thirteen Coins the other day and talking to one of the waiters, and and um, I was kind of saying, you know, I wasn't even sure you guys were still open because that all that slew of information came out about that building going down. And, right. And he said, yeah, sometimes the media doesn't help things because the the building doesn't even have its permits yet. <laughs> so it's going to be at least a couple years before they're moved out of there. And he said, you know, we want people to know that because people think, oh, they're always surprised. Oh, you're still open. But um, they are also opening in Soto, which I had heard yes. a while ago and not kind of followed up on. And that'll be open before the other one closes. That's good. Most likely. Yeah. So, um, and then you and I were talking a moment ago, Ronald, about um, Marcus Lalario, <laughs> and he and Matt Dillon are partnering to open a place called Ciudad in Georgetown. Yes. Might even be that? open by now. Is it? Let's see. You know, I'm not sure when it. Oh. Georgetown. No, I don't. Uh, early 2016, actually, is what I read. Well, then. Do you think it's... No, it's okay. not. Then it wouldn't okay. be open. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing ever opens early. <laughs> yeah, not, not, and certainly not months early. <laughs> no. <laughs> so this is going to be grilled food. They're going to have a patio. It's going to be casual. Very nice. And Marcus is handling the development of the whole thing, and, and Matt's still in the food. Mm-hmm. So that's going on. And then another thing that is kind of a fun thing is that Chef Wayne Johnson, you know him mostly probably from Andaluca. Exactly. Shorter time at Ray's. Yes. Now he's opened Sugar Jazz Bistro in Renton. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm assuming he's still on his original plan with that, which was to open sugars in various neighborhoods. Um, but in the meantime, because he probably doesn't have enough to do, <laughs> he has been named the interim executive chef at Fair Start over all the retail operations. So guess not, you know, Thursday night, guess chef um he's over that he's training he's over the retail operations they do a lot of meals uh lunches and things like that so that's a very exciting thing that is yeah um i don't know do you know oh i think we've emailed about this you don't know who ryan parks is the new chef at the sorrento hotel no i don't i have still not um spent any time looking that up but i but he is the new chef there so and and is that technically the Dunbar room? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm assuming this is a just a wild assumption since I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's the executive chef, he's probably over the the uh, hunt cl- not the hunt club the um. Well, it would be where the, the tea is. Well, the Dunbar room, the, the, lo- the lobby, the lobby area, the, where yeah. they have the afternoon tea and you and drinks and everything. I can't. That's is that fireside? I think that's what they were calling yeah. it. But I I'm, so. maybe I'll just be part of the same. Yeah, I think it had a name, has a name, but in any case. And then what's going on with Uber? (laughs) Uber, they seem rather quickly to have gotten their act together. Uh, They did a big rollout with a a party in Soto and invited all kinds of beautiful people. (laughs) and, And gave everybody swag and a thing that lets you order a lunch the next day. And then, so you just, so the next day they were order. you know, you order the lunch, right? Yeah. And it doesn't come. <gasps> and it doesn't come. Oh, no. And then the app goes down. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I was, uh, I was kind of appalled after all. I mean, if Uber can't get their act together. You yeah. figure that the world is, is doomed. <laughs> uh, but, 
within a very short time, like, I mean, a matter of just a couple of hours, they had, they started throwing manpower at it. And the next day, they were fine. Oh, good. So it was a terrible first day, but a perfectly good second day. And then the rest of the week was fine. Yeah. So uh, the, wow. the question is now whether uh, the restaurants involved can meet the demand and whether yeah. they can forecast to the restaurant what that demand will be. And are they doing just select restaurants or are they doing let's get everybody in no, town? No, they're not. It's they're, just they've select, got, right? They've got maybe, let's call it a dozen restaurants. Yeah. And then on any given day, three of them will, will have an offering. Yeah. And that means that in the morning before, uh, probably before the crack of dawn, they've got uh, the restaurants themselves have uh, on their own premises, their own people putting together, I have no idea whether it would be a thousand sandwiches or a thousand spaghetti and meatball things. And uh, then the Uber people... Uh, send a driver or a wave of drivers mm-hmm. to the restaurants to pick up uh, the the goods. Yeah, and uh, there's a distribution center in Soto oh. that serves as sort of a staging point, mm-hmm. uh, and and each driver uh, and they're all volunteers for this. The drivers uh, are provided with a cold box and a hot box that sit on the seat next to him. Uh-huh. And and you text, you use the app and and say, I want a, a bacon and cheese sandwich. And if that's, you know, when that's on order. Yeah. And, and the driver says six minutes or five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and and this swarm of, of, <laughs> of Uber cars, you can see them on the, on your app, you know. So you go down to the to the curb because it's a curbside pickup, and and uh, oh, and you just pick it up from the car, hands it out the window. Oh my God! And it's like your mother when you left your lunch that's at, at exactly. home. Exactly. It's. <laughs> I mean, you don't tip your mother. Yeah. Maybe you do. Well, you know, she probably deserved it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because so much stuff is going on. Instacart has just partnered with All Recipes. Yes. So you can go out on All Recipes, figure out what you want to make. And they'll bring the ingredients to you. And now they've partnered with PCC. Yes. So there's a lot of stuff like this going on. Right. And Amazon, of course, also has it. That's uh, right. Within two hours, they'll bring you anything. Yeah. And then the guy, the, I, I live in a, in a condo building downtown, and the guy <laughs> shows up there. He's <laughs> delivering to 17 apartments. You know? Oh, <laughs> And my he's got, God. got all his little deliveries on a cart that he's taking around with him. Isn't it's that fun. amazing? Yeah. That would be a good delivery job. You'd only, you know, I mean, you could take care of a lot in one oh, stop. Yes, yes, yes. Which is why, of course, the most concentrated residential areas are the ones where they're starting. Yeah, exactly. While they figure it out. Yeah. Let's see. Is there anything else new going on that we need to talk about? What about um, what about Trace? Oh yeah, let's talk about that. That's uh, the old Cascadia yes. space uh, in Belltown, which is it was one of the most beautiful restaurant spaces oh, in Seattle. Gorgeous. And uh, it was uh, it, 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 not the sort of thing that an individual chef 
would be able to do on his own. So clearly there was an underwriter, and I think yeah. pretty well known who that was. Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> no, you don't? It yeah. was uh, Craig McCall. Oh, was it? Wow. Uh, and and uh, that was wonderful for him. Yeah. Uh, and it was wonderful for Carrie Sear, who yeah. had that place for a long time until the Four Seasons uh, lured him uh, lured him back to the new place that they were putting in it at, on the waterfront. First yeah, Union. down on Union. And and so it it stood vacant until one day uh, the Spanish priest showed up and said, "Yes, here upon this space, I will build my <laughs> my second American restaurant." The first was in on K Street in in Washington D.C. And uh, another good idea that this this priest had decided, like fair start, that the way to get people off the street was to get them into restaurant kitchens, Mm -hmm. give them something useful to do, and teach them a trade. And it was a huge success in Spain, uh, where it went from from restaurants to hotels and then to resorts. Oh yeah, and there's a whole chain of these. And and this this is a really humble priest. made it possible here in Seattle. The trouble is that Seattle was not ready for it. They weren't ready for upscale Spanish food. So it closed after a year and a half and then stood vacant again for For two years. And then the one that went in recently was like Red King or something like that. Yes, then a Korean gent from from Alaska decided he knew all about seafood, uh, even though he had no experience in the fine dining business he had had uh, like Ivar's seafood bars and uh, he had really no clue and did nothing to the place nothing to the property and and finally uh, with four years running on his five-year lease went next door (laughs) and said (laughs) said to the guys at the Belltown pub you seem to know what you're doing (laughs) how would you like to buy me out of my lease oh. i mean like i will even give you the lease oh my god just get me out and uh what he didn't know was that the the three guys at belltown pub had done a business plan for that space and then decided nah the tavern was doing just fine and yeah. they didn't they just let it ride they didn't want to work too hard. Isn't that interesting? So they were ready. They were ready. They moved right in, and within uh, just a couple of months have transformed the space from what it was to a totally different kind of spot, which is uh, Seafood Mexican, mm. which opens uh, at the end of the month. Uh, that could be good. It could be absolutely amazing. Uh, yes, they will have halibut. Yes, they will have salmon because you have to have those things. Mm-hmm. But you will also have pink rockfish and oh. a, a, another uh, fish called gold band. Oh, uh, that you see in Mexico more. Yes, you see them in Mexico. You it. see them in warmer tropical waters. Uh, their stuff will be flown in. Product will be flown in daily from Honolulu uh, and uh, from an, two other local suppliers who are not in that mainstream of why does every Seattle restaurant have the same fish? Well, it's because yeah. it's all coming from the same supply. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and high hopes. Yeah, and let's talk about that name a little bit. Well, <laughs> since it's the Three Amigos, yeah, they they had to find a name for the place, and and so they thought, well, we'll just call it Trace, which is Uno de dos Trace, one two three. But I don't think they looked too far. 
because, of course, there is a restaurant called Trace in the W Hotel. <laughs> T-R-A-C-E, yet still. As opposed still. to T-R-E-S. And actually, isn't the name written, it's like T-R-3-S T-R-3 or something. S, so that it's a reverse. E. Yeah. 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 I tell you, sometimes we're all just too clever for our own good. Yes, it'll be interesting to see how that works yeah. out. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um. The other thing that's coming up, too, well, we'll talk about that in calendars. In fact, let's take a break, and we'll come back with calendar highlights. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Ponte Seafood Grill. Hi, this is Donna Cafasso with Nestle Waters International Brands, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. And we're going to head into our calendar items, but first, Ron has a clarification. When I said that Trace was opening this month, I meant last month. <laughs> I meant October. Yeah, end of October, they'll be open. So, coming up, um, the first thing on our calendar, and you can always go out to seattledining.com and check this calendar out. Uh, Salish Lodge and Spa, we've talked about before, they're doing a Culinary Adventures educational series. And on the 4th, they're doing the perfect bird. So you're going to talk about um, the pros of brining, how to break the bird down, tie it up for baking, things like that. And um, we don't have right now a lot of Thanksgiving things that we've heard about. So as we hear about them, we'll be putting up on the calendar. So please come back to the Seattle Dining Calendar and check that out to see what's going on. Um, On the 6th, there's a wine-tasting dinner cruise with Brown Family Vineyards, and this is Waterways Cruises. Now, you'll say, hey, you can always go out and have dinner and wine on those boats, (laughs) but this is a specific vineyard, the Brown Family Vineyard, so it is, you know, something a little different that they're doing, so that'll be fun. That's Precept Brands, isn't it? You know, I don't actually I think it's Andrew Brown. Is it? Oh, sure. It's a very, very prestigious group of of wineries that he has and yeah. represents. It's amazing how big he's gotten, actually. Yeah. He keeps buying buying companies. Um, on the 7th, there's a cooking class, Learn to Finish Like a Pro. This is Chef Dan Radigan at Fireside Restaurant, and he's going to give you tips and techniques about things like deglazing and garnishing and saucing. So that's kind of fun. If you feel like you've kind of got some basics down, but you'd like to take it up a notch, that's a way to do it. And then, um, let's see, on the 9th, the Beast Lake Series Whole Animal at Series at Blind Pig Bistro, November 9th, is their next one. They started in October. Have you been hearing about this, Ron? I have. I have. I think it's sort of interesting. Just once a month. This, um, let's see, November is all about lamb, and it's a Middle Eastern kind of thing. So, And Ben Perry from the the bar next door is concocting the optional cocktail to highlight the dinner theme. So that'll be fun, too. And let's see. Um, Dieter Schaefer, our favorite sommelier. Yes, indeed. Is on the 10th starting a two-week class called Choosing Champagnes for the Holidays. So if you're always a little stumped about, uh, you know, what to serve, that might be a good thing. If you're going to Portland on that very same day, 
you won't have a conflict. But you can go to Salty's on Columbia and do their brews and views. <laughs> so that's uh, kind of fun. They do a lot of small plates and, and pair them with beer. Um, and that is, yes, the 12th. Now, you've got some things that you've got going that you know uh, of. Well, I know about the Oyster New Year. That's right. That's Oyster New Year, which is the annual absolute extravaganza at Elliott's Oyster House, oh. uh, where they they tent the entire uh, pier so that there's an indoor thing and an outdoor thing. And, and, yeah. And, yeah, it's huge. It's huge. It is the biggest oyster event in Seattle. You know, I... I just love the idea of it, but last year I went and there were so many people there. And I think actually that's it sells out just instantaneously, yeah. but it was almost too many. It was almost not enjoyable, and they weren't keeping up with the food, and then some of it was sitting out that seemed maybe a little too long. or It worried me a little bit, um, and I'm hoping maybe they're going to sell fewer tickets, which yeah. I, it's probably a you, pipe dream. Uh, yeah, you don't. It's 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 awkward because, on the one hand, you want events like this to succeed. Exactly. Uh, on the other hand, they become so successful that that they, you you can't get what you've come for. Yeah, and it is a fun thing. Yes, it is. It's a very fun thing, and especially that oyster luge. That's yes, always fun. Yes, that is always. Fun. Not that I would do that. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, the following week on November twentieth is the Beaujolais Nouveau Festival. The annual fundraising event for the uh, French American Chamber of Commerce oh, of the Pacific Northwest. Okay. Where is uh, that held? And that is uh, going to be again at the Columbia Tower Club. Mm. So you have a fabulous view, yeah, over everything, uh, and and you have Tyler Heffernan's wonderful food, Ooh. and you have uh, well a large sampling of of uh, French Beaujolais, which is uh, your first chance to see what it's going to taste like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Beaujolais is, is like the Coca-Cola wine of France. It's, it doesn't get a lot of respect, and, and it, it probably doesn't deserve a lot of respect. But the, the nine crew villages of Beaujolais... Uh, are not bad at all. It's the yeah. Gamay grape. It's a decent grape. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it, it doesn't compete with Pinot Noir where they grow it. Uh, so why not? Yeah, and it's once a year. You know, it's that's the thing. That's it. It's yes. a fun thing to do. That's an it kind of becomes a tradition for you. And right. you know, why not? And and frankly, it's the single largest fundraiser for the trade yeah. association, the the trade promotion association of the French American Chamber. Yeah. Uh, which you think, well, that's does it make sense to do that sort of thing at all in this day and age? And the answer is yes, because uh, France is an important trading partner for Seattle. Uh, France is a linguistic contributor, cultural contributor in Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, and Jack Cowan is a, a perfectly uh, capable ambassador of France, and it's good to have him in our midst. Yeah, yeah. Now, do they? Can you get tickets through the? You get tickets chamber or uh, through. Actually, there is a website, the okay. dedicated website, but if you just go to FACC French American Chamber of Commerce PNW Pacific Northwest. 
org. Okay. You'll get there. You'll get there. And, you know, in this day and age with the Google machine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you don't even have to really know. Just you don't have type to know a few a words thing. in. And, <laughs> and it'll tell you before you know. Well, from the 13th to the 15th is the Taste of Tulalip. Have you done that? I have. It's fun. Yes. And it, it also is getting big. Yes. Um, for the, the first few times I went, I really liked it because you could... And and still can because they've got the hallways or in the big room, mm-hmm. they've got the walk, the pathways very broad, so you really can get through without hitting people and dumping your wine <laughs> and everything. So, the side rooms where they have like the California wines and stuff are getting so packed up that it's hard to get through there because there's smaller spaces and they're trying to fit a lot in. But there is so much wine and great food, so it's very fun. And then. Um, I'm thinking that's about it. That takes us sort of midway, and then we'll put some more Thanksgiving things on the calendar as we go along. That's it. And then the next thing you know, it'll be New Year's. I know it. We've got to get in here and get our Christmas stuff going, and then New Year's, and away we go. So stick around. Our interview with head sous chef David McIntosh of Joey U Village is coming up right after this. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Ray's Boathouse and Cafe. Hi, this is Sam Crannell from Lloyd Martin on top of Queen Anne, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. lucky today to have head sous chef David McIntosh from Joey Kitchen in the U Village with us. Welcome. Thank you. Um, one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about is that Seattle has a history of preferring locals. Anybody from out of town gets an immediate black eye without even getting to try. Um, but Joey, which is from Canada, seems to be doing really well. So you've got three American locations. You've got U Village, Bellevue, and South Center. What's the plan? Is there more? Are there more coming? Um, they're uh, they're always looking to open a few new stores. Um, I know the eastern side of Canada is really expanding. It's okay. kind of a greenfield market, is what they call it. Okay. Um, in Washington, I'm not sure if they're looking for another Joey right away, but the biggest thing coming up is uh, Los Angeles for us. Oh. Yeah. So that is uh, it's been in the works for a long time, but with all the other stores opening in Canada, they're really trying to figure out how they could do this the right way. Yeah. But there are um, there are talks of Seattle, just not exactly sure when or uh, yeah. or when that's going to be possible for yeah. us to uh, get in at the right time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now in Canada, they're not all in malls. These are all in malls. Is that, mm-hmm. was that on purpose because there's so much foot traffic and things? If you're going to start something new, was that the sort of concept? I know they do a lot of research with what areas are up and coming in the next few years. In Canada, they're on, I think there's one road in Canada where there's two or three pretty close by, and they're in like the business or uh, banking district. Um, As far as the mall goes, it is just a lot of foot traffic. Um, There are other competitors, and it's good to... It's good to see where we could make that footprint last longest. Um, And at U-Village, it's been working great. They just redeveloped that side with the Nike running. 
Uh, they have Din Tai Fung right up from us. Yeah. Uh, Joey Kitchen, obviously. Yeah. Liam. Uh, and- yep, Liam's just opened. And uh, on that new side, it's definitely the side where a lot more foot traffic. They just put a brand new uh, parking garage there as well. Yeah. 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 So there is some rhyme and reason behind the mall, but at the end of the day, it's what area is developing and where can we, where can we get in at the right time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday I was doing a little research. This is so off the wall, but mm-hmm. I I looked long before you opened, which was in 2013, and yep. people were on the Facebook, and somebody said worst Joey design ever, mm-hmm. and I was like. <laughs> I don't get that. It looks beautiful to yeah. me. I think it's a gorgeous place. Mm-hmm. Were they were they Canadian that and they was, liked the original Joey that was in a No, that was a designer that didn't get the job. Oh, okay. That's what <laughs> Yeah, it was. they let that guy go. No, no. <laughs> uh, I think with the the footprint that they they're going for now, mm-hmm. it's it's easier to operate and execute a smaller restaurant mm-hmm. than a, a massive four hundred seater. Yes. So we, we only have 240 seats when our front patio is open. Mm-hmm. We do have that enclosed atrium with all the windows and yeah. kind of the Safeco nice. field, uh, the roof opening up. Yeah. Um, but you could, from the front of the house point of view, you could see all the customers. You could see guests entering. You could see guests leaving. Yeah. Um, and you could really just kind of keep your, your eye on everything. Yeah. And it also lets the guests see everything in the restaurant. Nothing is hidden. Um, the open kitchen feel is great, the open bar, and it, it's pretty timeless when you go in there. It, since it is smaller uh, to manage, um, it's just easier to operate. And yeah. I think uh, opening a bigger store there would kind of be a little daunting. Um, there's chefs that, uh, you know, the, when I just did a recent opening in Canada, they have, you know, three, 400-seat restaurants. Oh, wow. And uh, they're monster stores. It's really high volume. But this being a test store, we want to be able to make it personalized for the guests. Yeah. Um, and also just make sure that the the high-quality standards that we have for those big restaurants is actually pretty – it coincides perfectly with a small footprint. Mm-hmm. And um, – it's fun to run. It's uh, it's really interactive with the guests. We have the uh, the chef table that you guys were sitting yeah, at. You could see fun. the sushi chef in action. You could see all the way down to the prep hall. Um, and then we have that long social table right in the pass through where they kind of get that chef experience yeah. on a Friday night. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for being as open as it was and every, as it is, it's not particularly loud. We're kind of sensitive to how loud restaurants can be, and mm-hmm. I don't recall having any trouble talking that night or hearing. Yeah. Oh, I know uh, when they – it was pretty cool because when, uh, when I was able to get this store, I went in and there was really only four walls and everything was oh, boarded up. Um, but the way that they designed the building, they, they designed it that the sound, even from the kitchen or the bar, it kind of goes up into the ceiling where oh, those, okay. uh, those long beams are at and everything gets trapped up there. Yeah. And uh, we play music at the right time to make sure that, you know, it – during dinner time is obviously yeah. a little louder yeah. um but the kitchen is pretty quiet all the all the equipment is brand new nothing is making weird noises yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and and being an open kitchen it uh it keeps all the cooks and the chefs uh that much more on yeah. stage and professional yeah and uh yeah it, it really isn't loud at all and it, it uh even during like our first uh our first uh lunch rush at like 11 o'clock or something yeah. people come in but it, it's really calm it's really yeah. mellow yeah. and uh it's just well orchestrated yeah mm-hmm. you know that that was one of my other questions was you're in an open kitchen so there's always eyes on you is that good mm-hmm. or bad oh it's good 
Yeah. It's really good. Um, I always, even when I'm hiring new partners on, uh, I tell them, you know, we are on the sh- we're on show right now. The the name is Joey Kitchen. We're food forward here, and it it keeps everyone in line. It uh, even pushes the envelope for cleanliness uh, that much further. We have the cleanest restaurants in the in the industry. Wow! So it's always good to kind of raise your own standard and keep pushing that envelope and. Um, it's fun. You know, every now and then I get people, uh, going up to the sushi display, talking to our sushi chefs, the, uh, the dining room overlooks our rotisserie oven. So every now and then you see kids kind of looking up and looking over at what's going on. Um, future chefs. Oh yeah. Future chefs. (laughs) Um, but it's good. And, uh, being, being on show it, uh, again, it just pushes that, uh, the high standards that we already have. And it's, uh, it's a different experience going into a, into an establishment or a restaurant. And again, we're not hiding everything. Everything is yeah. there for you guys to see. We, we talk to uh, guests yeah. when they come by. Again, a personal experience. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So um, one of the things I was going to ask you about was the test kitchen, too. Mm-hmm. It's, and I don't know if we sort of weren't totally aware of this until we were in Napa. And we went to a, a place called R&D. Mm-hmm. And we, were, we said like research and development, and they said, yeah, it's our test kitchen. It was like, you know, I don't know where we were. I don't know why we didn't know about that. But you guys are a test kitchen for Joey. Mm-hmm. So by how way, does that work? By the way, Connie just opened her mouth. So, you know, she meant to she meant to say, what? But she <laughs> kind of did it, and you, you couldn't see it when you're listening. But I, I saw it, and I'm letting all the diners know right now what they just missed. Let's get back to the test kitchen. Right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the test store... Is uh, it's a venue to really try out uh, obviously new menu items. Uh, we also test out different uh, different not styles of cooking, but different styles that are going to be coming up for uh, for our restaurant. Um, we also get the opportunity to test out new ingredients. Uh, you know, also uh, kind of source out different vendors to see who could uh, get us what, and it's it's a competitive market for them as well. So we yeah. have vendors come in and kind of talk to us for a little bit. Um, and being a home-based store, we, we really get to, uh, to tweak and develop menus on, on a smaller level before they go out, uh, to the rest of the stores. Um, and being the test store, we also get, uh, the exposure of the, you know, the chef coming in, uh, probably every two months to really show us in depth what he wants done. And then we get that training down to our partners, and then once we test it for a few months, then if it's going perfect, then we'll give it out to the oh, other stores okay. and train them at Joey Kitchen, and we'll uh, we'll rent out Le Cordon Bleu um, for a, you know a day or two days and get all the sous chefs in the region, oh, that's good show idea. them what works, yeah. show them what doesn't work, um, and since we've been on uh, you know a new menu for three months, we really get to give them all the pro tips with uh, with what they're going to see when they're actually. Uh, executing it while they're open. So I'm going to chime in and say that the test kitchen stuff is awesome. And the way that you know what it is is when the menu comes uh, to your table, you take a look and there's a column or a section in there that's called test kitchen. And that's where all the the goodness is. And that's not available at the other two stores, right? No, the test kitchen, they'll have a – the menu will have a small – TK logo next to it, uh-huh. um, and those are the items specifically for Joey Kitchen. 
But is that just for the store in the U Village, or would I be able to get that if I went to the Bellevue location or the? You would not get them at Bellevue or South Center. Okay, they, they're a few months behind us. Okay. Um, some things go out to them right away, but since we we want to really uh, take that food forward on and really dissect what's going yeah. on with properly to someone that's only been with us six months or six mm-hmm. weeks. Um, so we, we have the luxury of testing all that and getting it, uh, giving it to them as fast as we can. So yeah. give us a, a quick, make our mouths water. What's on the test kitchen list right now? A couple the, of things. The test kitchen, uh, a couple of the items that you guys had, we had the, uh, Spanish paella oh, with, yeah. uh, oh, yeah, that was good. So we have a, a white catfish in there, prawns, chorizo, um, fresh peas, cilantro, uh, squeeze of lemon on there. And then a, uh, Lobster saffron broth to uh, cook good. the rice in. It was delicious, mm-hmm. and it didn't take like thirty minutes to make like a paella. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have it down where you've got some stuff prepped, and so the time of delivery on it is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, again something we had to kind of tweak uh, during the rollout process for us. It is a uh, you go anywhere else, it does take thirty forty minutes for mm-hmm. us. We we got it down to fifteen minutes. Um, and that's where we, we prep, uh, some ingredients day of early. It is a top seller for us now. So we bank on, you know, running out at that last customer at 2am. Um, and then we prep everything fresh the next morning. Wow. Top seller for us. Um, another test kitchen item that we have, since we have the, uh, the live sushi bars, our tuna tataki. So that has a green papaya salad with carrot and orange segment tossed in a yuzu dressing. Um, and then thinly sliced ahi tuna, avocado, and then it's got a little bit of sweet and hot in there with serrano peppers and mangoes. Oh, Another yeah. great seller for us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that I'm sort of fascinated with you with this, uh, and we, you talked about it a minute ago, it has to be incredibly good communication. Because I'm thinking in just a single store restaurant, there can be so much miscommunication and things don't happen right. You guys are based out of Canada. You're in America. You've got a corporate executive chef. You've got a regional chef. You've got you. You've got mm-hmm. a staff. You know, and yet things seem to be just going very smoothly. So, how did that communication get set up? I mean, that's obviously working. Yeah, it uh, it all stems from what Chef Mills wants. So he will have his team. Uh, test everything that they can, and he's the guy that's going to find the ingredients, find the addictive flavors. Um, I even think they have a big board uh, with what they want, how it should look. They have magazine scraps everywhere. Oh, wow. Um, And then they get the regionals together, and they kind of branch off and really hone in what they want to roll out at their store. Us being the test store, we do exactly what the chef wants. Um, and then everyone has a list of duties and objectives. So me being the uh, head sous chef at this test store, I have to you know source out where we're going to get all the stuff. Um, head office will tell us where we're going to get it, but it's really like the quantities, how we're going to train it the right way, mm-hmm. um, how many of the cooks need to make you know thirty of them before we go live on a specific mm-hmm. Wednesday or something. And then I'm in communication with with everyone with. This is working. This isn't working. We can't get this ingredient in right now. Um, have you guys seen this at your level? Mm-hmm. Um, instead of the recipe reading like this, can we have it read like this? So you do have an opportunity to oh, tweak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah. definitely do. We so definitely do. 
So the menu in Canada is pretty much similar to the the menu in in the U.S. minus the test kitchen items. Uh, there's three stores that will have a lot of the same in, uh, menu items or test mm-hmm. kitchen items. Um, so there's one in Eastern Canada, one in Central Canada, and then us here. Okay. And then when those get really figured out, they'll go strictly they- to the regional stores, and then they will roll it out company-wide to the other stores in their region. Okay. Yeah, so that's really tricky because you got to deal with different purveyors over the border. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not getting stuff out of Canada brought here. You're, mm-hmm. If you need lamb, you're going to go get it down out of Oregon or something like that. Yeah, they, they source out as much as they can. And again, working, uh, we have a few suppliers that we're, uh, we have great communication with, great relationship with already, um, that they actually kind of take the extra mile and get as much uh, as much product as they can whether they're kind of the middleman and they're getting it from someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the test kitchen, we, we do a lot of research with, okay, how many are we going to sell and how can we, uh, how can we get this um, also consistent when we roll it out to South Center and Bellevue. Yeah. So we get the luxury of trying everything first, and then um, once all the, the I's are dotted and T's are crossed, then we, we go live with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's an mm-hmm. amazing system. Um, what about you? What's your background? What led you to where you are right now? Um, I just got hired into Joey as a salad partner. So it's uh, been a lot of on-the-job training. I've been with the company six years and got hired at the South Center location. Oh, okay. um, the regional chef, Noel Scott, was working out of that store at the time as the chef. Um, and then I just kind of went through the the brigade just like any other uh, any other cook would, and had an opportunity to take on a day sous chef role with a lot of ordering, a lot of uh, prep training, and uh, developing an assistant under me. So I was at uh, South Center, um, then I went to Bellevue where I got to really that was the regional store at the time, and then when U Village opened, that took over, um, and then I was able to take. Uh, Take the U Village opening as a head sous chef, hire all these, uh, yeah. hire all the cooks, train everyone. Um, That's pretty exciting. You put yeah. your own team together. I did, and it's uh, it's a great team. Um, I've had a lot of uh, you know up and comers with me, whether they're from two stores with me or just from Bellevue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the relationship and the camaraderie is there, and you know Joey has taught me. Uh, I would say everything I know. I've done the apprenticeship program through them, and now we're seeing the up and comers. Uh, you know, the shift leaders and the, the assistant sous, sous so chefs go through that as well. That's the plan. You, you oh, yeah. promote from within. and mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, uh, a lot of on-the-job training, whether it's uh, communication courses or uh, we do quick-fire challenges every now and then. Um, again, and just working at the test store, you get to try things yeah. before you're actually uh, really ready for it. So you really get a lot of... Uh, training on the spot, but there's a long-term development as well. Yeah. And being with the company six years, it's, it's been great. It's been really good. Mm-hmm. It's a great way of training, I think, because you're, you're getting to see everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you know what you want to do, you know what your strengths are. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So what are some of – well, we talked about um, the, the TK menu already. Um, what, what's something on the regular menu that somebody could get at all three – locations that you really like right now it's really the the staples for us so we uh we have our hibachi wings which are you know they they have a cult following um our hand-pressed burgers we've tweaked those over the years for a long time um they're they're to die for now so we're pressing the the patties in-house um 
we're we're uh, toasting the buns to order. The groceries are fresh on it. We've uh, we've trained the uh, the procedure on like how we're cooking uh, these, and also making sure that they're they're consistent for every single store. Um, a lot of the appetizers are going to be the same. The entrees, so our okay. prime USDA steak program. Um, is out company wide and it's at the other stores as well. Oh, great! Um, so it's really only a select few items, but then again, in three months, they're they're getting get stuff. The yeah. yeah. So the last things that we rolled out throughout the region were a uh, rotisserie chicken sandwich, mm-hmm. um, and then we also uh, what was the last one? It was the lobster ravioli that we. Uh, uh, oh, I think you guys yeah, got to try that. That was good. That yeah. was awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. Gosh. Well, since you've been there since it opened, what evolution have you seen? Uh, it's busier now. It's a lot oh, busier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the big thing that I noticed was just doing doing the opening. I, I even remember the first customer that came in. She only ordered like a soup and salad or something. Oh, yeah. um, and then, you know, over, over a few months, you see people kind of branch out and really, really see what we have to offer. You're not just going to a place to get a burger. You could go, you know, if you want to go, you could get a burger. You could also get sushi. You could get our Indian butter chicken. Um, And now I'm seeing the test kitchen menu items on the top of our list. So before it was a lot of burgers, a lot of sandwiches, and now people are, I don't don't know if they're brave enough to to really try something that they've never seen before. Uh They're going into a restaurant expecting something, but they have a really uh, diverse menu. But we're seeing a lot of... uh, a lot of shift changes into the the, the test kitchen mentality, oh, and good. also uh, at the end of the day, they're they're bringing in more people for us. It's pretty exciting to see a full restaurant. Oh yeah, uh, I, know, I know. I I usually have this thing where I I'll go to a restaurant and and I want to see what's on the test kitchen stuff first, and then usually I'll just have a favorite that I'll get if I don't want any of those things. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that that's a, uh, that whole test kitchen concept is a selling point for people to go and not feel like they're getting the same food every time, and it's not like, what's the special today? It's, you know, what are you going to blow my mind with now? Mm-hmm. And you have numerous choices. Well, and that's one of the things that I think is interesting about Joey in general, and, and specifically the test kitchen, but the menu is so eclectic. You know, it is Indian, it is Japanese, it is American, it is Canadian, it is... And all of it's done well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really impressed with the quality of each. Sometimes people will try and do something broad like that, but they're really good at one thing, and they're, and they're it's just not working on the other things. But across the board, everything we've tried at a Joey has been really great. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing that we kind of already talked to is just the, the training that we do. We, we train till we're, we're blue in the face, and when we think we get it perfect, we're, we're still pushing we it. We try it again. And uh, ranges from the, the pastas, the ravioli that you tried, and then when we get comfortable, we're going to throw something daunting on like a paella, and we're going we're gonna to hit it out of the park. Japanese cuisine, American cuisine. Yeah. Um, we, we range from everything, but we, just, we have really addictive flavors that keep people coming in, yeah. and uh, you never get bored at the test kitchen, even as a, even as a guest. So. Yeah. On that note, thank you so much for being here. No, thank you, guys. Really Thanks for coming thank over. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Sea Star Restaurant and Raw Bar in Bellevue. Hi, my name's Alan. And I live in Seattle, and I love going to Poppy Seattle Restaurant and eating the eggplant fries.
like to end the show with a tip, and this time I'd like Ron to take on that that job. It's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. Exactly. And it's the same tip I've been giving for the last 25 years. Drink more wine. <laughs> and that's a health thing, I'm sure. It is. Totally a health thing. Yes. Yes. Um, excellent. So it's time to wrap up. Thank you for joining us, Ronald. It's been and my pleasure. Thank you for everyone who's listening. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit www.seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. Those are the two key words. Um, we want you to dine well, dine safe, and dine often. And don't cook like Tom's mother. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Dog House, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.